No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we finish Isaiah 43, a message on the Lord as Israel's Redeemer. In the future, He would bring down Babylon and give drink to His people, blotting out their sins. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Isaiah chapter 43 on Simply the Bible. I have mentioned before that one of my favorite memories was a pastor I heard one time say that his favorite name for Jesus was Redeemer. And the reason he said that is because he had seen how the Lord had redeemed his son's life as being a prodigal and bringing him back to him. I think that we would all have to say, as we look at our own record of failure and brokenness, I am so glad that the Lord is a redeemer. He buys us back from the slavery of sin. And that's really what the word means. Well, we continue in Isaiah chapter 43 today, beginning in verse 14. Thus says the Lord, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, the Chaldeans who rejoice in their ships. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. So God calls himself here, your Redeemer. Love that. I'm the one who buys you back. I I deliver you. And in this case, he was delivering them from Babylonian captivity. He said, I am the Holy One of Israel. There is only one who is holy. Jesus said, there's no one good but God alone. And he said that for your sake, I will send to Babylon. Now, God was going to discipline his people because they had disobeyed him. They were going to go as captives to Babylon for 70 years. But then God would send to Babylon King Cyrus of Persia. And he would defeat this great city. And God would do this for the sake of his chosen people, Israel. Now, the Babylonians, it says here, would rejoice in their ships. What exactly does this mean? Well, it's possible that the Babylonians may have had trading vessels that they used on the Euphrates River in the Persian Gulf. But their ships would fail them. Now, the Lord said, I am Yahweh. That is the personal name of God, which means I am, or the self-existent one. He said, I am your holy one. There is no person who is holy because we have all sinned and we are all broken people. But God is the holy one, meaning the whole one. He has complete integrity through and through. I am your creator. And he said, I am your king. God alone is the king of the universe. Now, he is speaking here to his people Israel, but it is true that God is the creator of all mankind and he is the king of everyone. And whether a person acknowledges that or not really doesn't change the fact that God is the king of the universe. He alone is worthy of our reverence and obedience. Verse 16, thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. 
They are quenched like a wick. So the Lord makes a way in the sea. Now, when the Lord redeemed his people from Egypt, he made a way through the Red Sea and the chariots and army of Pharaoh were drowned in the Red Sea. He is using that as an example to show them that once again, he would make a way where there was no way. He would make a way through the desert for the Babylonian exiles. Now, as they would be in captivity for 70 years, they probably thought that there's no way out of this. And yet the Lord would show them that there was a way. He would extinguish Babylon and they would be thrown down. And then God would open the way for his people to return to the land of Israel. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So God said, do not remember the former things. Humans have such a tendency to hold on to the things of the past, hold on to the old covenant, for example, hold on to things that God did many years ago, but they don't see what he's doing today. They don't see how God is moving and wants to move today. God is continually doing a new thing. And we need to be aware of the new thing that he is doing. He has brought to us in Jesus Christ a new covenant. He writes his law not upon tablets of stone, but upon human hearts. And I believe he also wants to do a new thing in the future. Are we ready for that? Are we looking for it? Are we expecting God to show up in his grace in new ways? And are we praying for that in faith? The Lord said, now it shall spring forth. God has his perfect will and his perfect time. And when he moves, nobody can stop him. We must pray for a fresh movement of the Lord in our day. He would make a road in the wilderness. Now, how could that be? That seemed impossible to the Jewish captives, but God would do it. He would bring his people out of captivity to their homeland. And he has been doing the same thing for the past hundred years as the Lord has been gathering Jews from all over the world, bringing them back to their homeland of Israel. And yet even this is merely a foreshadow of what will happen when God brings a glorious gathering of his people from all over the earth when Christ returns to establish his millennial reign on earth. We may think that there is no hope for America. We may think that we are so spiritually dry that nothing can happen. We might write off our youth and young adults as being so far removed from any hope that all hope is lost. But God can make rivers in the desert where hearts have become as dry as the Sahara spiritually God can make rivers of living water. Do you believe that? Would you pray for that? Would you pray for such an outpouring of the living water of God's Holy Spirit upon his people and upon the lost? The beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself they shall declare my praise. Now, nature and the animal kingdom are often more responsive to God than people. 
Creation does what God made it to do. It is man that turns away from God in rebellion and self-will to do whatever he wants. But God, in his mercy and grace, would give drink to his people, his chosen ones. You will recall that Jesus, while in the temple in Jerusalem on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, cried out with a loud voice, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So that offer that Jesus gave still stands. Are you thirsty for what is spiritually real? Do you want to experience the power, love, and soundness of mind that only the Holy Spirit can bring? Do you know that it is yours for the asking if you believe in Jesus and ask him for it? The purpose of the filling of the Holy Spirit is so that you and I can overflow with spontaneous praise to God and love to others. Verse 22, But you have not called upon me, O Jacob, and you have been weary of me, O Israel. The Lord was so close to them. All they had to do was call upon his name. In Isaiah's day, they still were in Jerusalem. They still had him there at the temple. He was in the most holy place. If they wanted to inquire of him, he was available. He wanted them to call upon him in their day of trouble. And when our children were young and they were in trouble, I wanted them to come to me. If our son fell and skinned his knee, I didn't want him going to the man down the street. I wanted him to come to me. If our daughter's heart was broken, I didn't want her seeking comfort from some other dad. I wanted her to come to me. I wanted to protect and console her. I wanted to tell her about the way guys really were out there. Likewise, God wanted his people to call upon him so that he could deliver them. Instead, they called out to their idols and false gods. They were weary of the Lord as if God had become obsolete. How tragic. When we think the gods and idols and passions of this world can satisfy us rather than our God. You have not brought me the sheep for your burnt offerings, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not caused you to serve with grain offerings, nor wearied you with incense. You have bought me no sweet cane with money, nor have you satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins you have wearied me with your iniquities. Now, whether or not this was speaking of when they were still in Jerusalem and they just simply weren't bringing God the offerings because they were bringing them to the idols or, or whether this is speaking to those Babylonian captives that they couldn't bring the offerings to God anymore because the temple had been destroyed. Either way, they weren't bringing these things, the offerings and the sweet cane for the incense. None of that was happening. Instead, They were burdening the Lord with their sins and making him weary with their iniquities. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Oh, thank God for his mercy and his grace. You know, you may have burdened the Lord with your sins. You may have grieved the Spirit, but God is so willing to Show you mercy to blot out your transgressions. He is the one who does this. Why? Not because we're deserving, but for his own sake. And he chooses 
to remember our sins no more if we will come to him and be honest, confess them, turn from them, and trust that Jesus paid it all at Calvary, God will forgive us and remember our sins no more. That's the good news of the gospel. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. God is saying, look, just come to me. Let's talk. You know, I will gladly acquit and exonerate you if you will just come to me and lay it out and trust in me to forgive you. Your first father sinned. That would be Abraham. We know he lied to Pharaoh. And your meditators have transgressed against me. That word meditators is really interpreters. So those who were supposed to be interpreting God for the people, they had transgressed against God. Therefore, I will profane the princes of the sanctuary. I will give Jacob to the curse and Israel to reproaches. And of course, that's what would happen with the Babylonians destroying the temple, destroying Jerusalem, which would happen about 100 years after Isaiah had written this. The amazing thing is that God would bring discipline to his people because of their idolatry and disobedience. But at the same time, he didn't write them off. He would show them his mercy and his grace. He would forgive their sins and remember them no more and bring them back into the land of promise. Why? For his own name's sake, because of his mercy and grace. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify and please leave us a review. Next week, we will see where the Lord declares that He is the only God and there is no other. Then He challenges the idol gods to predict something and bring it to pass to prove themselves. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Isaiah on Simply the Bible. <laughs>